Hello and welcome to the Eat, Train, Recover podcast. I'm your host, fitness professional Justin Jefferson. This podcast covers all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness and is dedicated to helping everyday individuals live the fittest and healthiest life possible. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eat, Train, Recover show. I am your host, Justin Jefferson. And first and foremost, thank you guys so much for tuning in and joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. And if this is your first time here listening to the show, thank you so much uh, for joining me. And I hope you find value in the information that I'll be sharing with you guys. Uh, Today, we're actually going to be talking about sustainable fat loss. And when we look at the word sustainable, if you actually look at the written definition, it is being able to maintain at a certain rate or level. And we want to think long term, right? So sustainable fat loss wouldn't be that six-week quick fix where you you, you go through a, a, a quick fitness challenge for a few weeks or maybe maybe eight weeks and you maybe keep the weight off for a couple of weeks or months after that. And then you slowly start to gain it back and you end up right back where you started. Typically, that happens when the method surrounding uh, how you got to that result isn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable. We want to build sustainability around our uh, fitness, right? Around the things that we're doing. What, no matter, really, no matter what your goal is. Uh, in today's episode, we're discussing fat loss, but building sustainability around fat loss. Now, the, so the most important part of this, before we get into the nutrition and the exercise and the sleep and all the other components uh, that it takes and, and how to build that sustainability, we have to really take a look at your mindset. The mindset is going to be the key driver here. And we're talking about creating sustainable fat loss. It's a form of sustainable change. And there's something that needs to to happen, uh, you know, before we start this process, we need to have what we call readiness for change. We need to actually be ready to change. So it really doesn't matter how good of a fitness or nutrition plan you have, how good your coach is, how good your dietitian is. If you are not ready to change, if your mindset isn't right and you're not going to actually apply the necessary things to create that change, it's not really going to happen for you, right? So we need to first and foremost, make sure that we're ready to change and only you can decide when you're ready to change, right? No matter, like I said, a world-class coach cannot decide for you. You have to make that decision. You have to make that distinction that this is the right time for me to pursue uh, this XYZ goal. You want to make sure that you're being very realistic in that and making sure that you're truly ready. Now, once you have understood, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to create some sustainable fat loss. We need to look at how we're viewing it, right? So understand like throughout this process, uh, we're not looking for perfection here. We're looking for progress. Small progress over time will work wonders over short-term perfection because short-term perfection is not sustainable. And that's what the episode's about today. That short-term perfection where you think you are doing something perfectly for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months um, on the longer end of that, but it's not sustainable. And therefore, typically most people will fall off because we get so caught up in perfection when in reality, we just need to chase progress. So chase progress, not perfection. So understand that going in, 
chasing progress is going to be super important. Understanding that things are not going to always be perfect. Um, and the next component of your mindset is really having a, a why and, and having a clear vision of why you want to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Um, you know, you, in, in this instance, we're talking fat loss, right? So maybe you want to lose body fat to uh, fit into a previous clothing size. Maybe you want to lose body fat uh, because of a health issue. Uh, maybe your doctor told you that you needed to bring your body fat percentage down. Uh, maybe health is at risk. Or maybe you just want to be comfortable in your own skin. But having a clear vision of why you want to accomplish it is super, super important because you can always tie things back to that. Because I'm going to tell you, as you go through any fitness journey and, and most journeys in life, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be things that can sort of get in your way. You want to make sure that you can always tie things back to your why and sometimes just use it as that little reminder of, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Um, I know I'm not always, in, I'm not feeling the greatest right now about it, um, but this is my why and I'm going to stick to this. So just having that why can be really, really important, a really important part of your mindset. The next really, really important part of your mindset, and you guys probably heard me sigh just now, is because um, not so many people always practice this, especially when it comes to fat loss. It's going to be patience. You have to be patient with the process. You have to be patient with yourself, right? And that ties directly back into not expecting or not chasing perfection. You got to be patient. It is a process. You're going to go through periods where you feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, where you feel like, oh, I could be doing this better or I could be doing that better. Just be patient with yourself. Make Take those steady steps forward. Slow and steady will win the race, but you have to be patient. Um, it will take time. It will take time. You really don't want the quick fix. You don't want the super quick weight loss. We want that sustainable, proper paced fat loss. The most a realistic rate of fat loss is about one to two pounds a week of fat loss. And honestly, two pounds is really more on the aggressive side. Um, now, in the very beginning, you may notice more body weight comes off in the beginning, right? If you're measuring with just a standard weight scale, it's just measuring what's on top of it. But in reality, after you start to regress back to normal, because in the very beginning, you go through some changes that are happening, right? Your body goes through adaptation, starts to flush things out. There's a, there's a neurological adaptation period that takes place as well. There's a lot of stuff that's happening in the body. Um, your body can be flushing out a bunch of toxins, right? So you could be losing a bunch of water weight and inflammation, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and things of that nature. Um, so understand when you see that maybe you lost five pounds in that first week, that's not sustainable. That's going to typically regress to, to the normal rate, which is one to two pounds of body fat a week. Hey, if you're losing a half a pound of body fat every week, you're making progress. And it may not seem like a lot, but you are truly making some serious progress. And if you wanted to, you know, nudge it up a little bit, you make uh, some, a few additional changes. It doesn't have to be too aggressive. And we're going to get into some of those additional changes later on in this episode. But anywhere from a half a pound to a pound a week of body fat coming off, like you're headed in the right direction. Again, like I said, two pounds 
of body fat coming off in a week is a little bit more on the aggressive side, but it is definitely uh, doable. Now, also in our mindset, and we're going to talk a little bit more about mindset here because it's so important to this process. We really want to have what I like to call mental fillers, mental fillers, like learning to be able to, uh, excuse me, not fillers, (laughs) mental filters. I can't even speak properly. Mental filters. You want to have those mental filters to be able to overcome uh, those roadblocks that you heard me mention, the the bumps in the road, the things that are going to pop up, being able to filter those things out because they will be there. It's it's not always going to be uh, easy street, nor should it be really, right? It's something that's worth uh, building towards over time, something that's worth accomplishing, something that's worth achieving. Um, so being able to have mental fillers, so sometimes uh, filters. So sometimes those mental filters will be block blocking out things from the past, maybe bad experiences or times where things didn't go so well in your fitness journey. Um, maybe having blocking out sometimes negative people. Those mental filters, filtering out negative self talk, negative thoughts. You have to be able to filter these things out so that you can have the proper mindset. So again, not mental fillers, but mental filters. I appreciate you bearing with me through my my little uh, little little mess up there. But uh, mental filters, super important, everyone. Make sure you, you're able to have some built-in mental filters. Um, and also know your strengths and your weaknesses, right? Going in, like again, this all ties into mindset, and it's not about when you when you when you're identifying a weakness. It's not like okay, I'm being negative about it. No, you're just being realistic and being honest with yourself. Like, hey, this is a weakness of mine. I know that whenever I eat X, Y, and Z snack, it typically tends me to spiral right down a path of binging and things of that nature. So you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to kind of monitor how often I eat this, or I'm going to maybe eat this certain thing on occasions because usually when I eat it, it causes me to kind of go off the wagon, right? And we're going to get into nutrition uh, a little bit later as well when talking about the importance of balance. But we just want to make sure that we are identifying our strengths and our weaknesses, right? Same thing when it comes to uh, if you're planning out like, okay, I'm going to work out at 6 a.m., but you're not a morning person, that's probably a weakness, trying to get yourself up you know, early in the morning. So you may have to do it later in the day. Um, but just being able to identify those things um, and know that, okay, I'm going to build on my strengths and I will work on those weaknesses and to, to improve them, but really, really uh, lean on those strengths to help me to stay on track. So it's super important. Um, and another uh, component of uh, when it comes to building, uh, you're your having a proper mindset uh, and building out habits is focusing on the behaviors that lead to the outcome. So once you set the outcome goal, you're going to track towards that goal, yes, but focus on the behaviors and the things that we're going to mention later on with the, the nutrition, uh, the, the your physical activity, the sleep, um, you know, all of the things that go along with it, focus on those behaviors. Setting behavioral goals for yourself is really, really key and can be really, really helpful in that process. Um, So not just setting a goal of, okay, my goal is to lose a pound of body fat this week. Um, When in reality, you can set a behavioral goal of, you know, hitting certain nutrition markers, hitting certain activity markers, hitting certain sleep markers. Those are behavioral goals. And we know if we hit 
those behavioral goals a certain percentage of the time, it's going to lead to the desired outcome. So make sure that we are focusing on the behaviors that will lead to what we want to get. Um, next step is just do your best to remain positive. You, you heard me mention that it, there will be some bumps in the road. It's not easy. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, remain positive. Try your best. <clears throat> excuse me. Try your best to remain positive as often as you can. You're a human, so it's probably not always going to be the most positive thing, but you want to try your best to just keep a positive outlook. And the cool thing about this, guys, right, when we're in our fitness journey, it is okay to to make a pivot if you need to pivot something. Um, If you need to make a change, if you realize like, you know, this method doesn't necessarily work for me, but I can pivot towards another healthy method uh, method that does work for me. Um, and again, because there's more than one way to skin a cat, as you guys probably know the saying, there's more than one way to accomplish the goal. You just have to really find what fits you. And it's okay to pivot. And it's okay to pivot if you learned new information. Maybe you were trying something that um, may not necessarily even be good for you. And you're like, oh man, I actually learned this from some actual research and, or I learned this from a, you know, a reputable fitness professional or a nutrition professional or, you know, anyone that is able to, to help you and point you in the right direction. And it's okay to pivot and make that change. You don't have to be so locked in like to that particular, uh, area that you did road that you decided to go down. Uh, so it's super important to remember. Um, and last, last two things I do want to say is, Make sure throughout the process you are not punishing yourself and that you are proud of yourself. You're celebrating the small wins. And when I say don't punish yourself, um, again, you heard me mention like when things things go wrong, um, which will happen at some point, do not punish yourself. Do not think about things that went wrong in the past. Like don't think of it as reemerging. Don't think that you fell off the wagon because you ate a cookie. <laughs> you have to have some balance in there anyway, which we're going to get to. Um, you don't punish yourself just because you ate, um, you know, maybe you ate poorly one day. You don't need to go do an hour, uh, an extra hour of cardio because you ate poorly. That's how you build a poor relationship with food, a poor relationship with exercise. Exercise is not punishment for poor eating. Uh, I, I really can't stand seeing those, those memes, you know, oh, if you eat this, you have to do this many of whatever random exercise that the person chose, you know, it's, it's just, it's just nonsense. It's nonsense. Do not punish yourself. Exercise is not a form of punishment. And and in all honesty, you will never out exercise poor nutrition. Um, so we need to make sure that we are addressing things at the right level. All right. But, uh, the last two components of the mindset that I wanted to touch on, um, and I did an entire episode of a mindset of fitness, uh, fitness success. If you haven't heard it, you may want to check that out for diving deeper into the mindset. But stop punishing yourself and be proud. Celebrate those small wins. Uh, write down uh, one, at least one victory from each week, at the very least. At least one victory. And maybe that only victory was the fact that you tracked everything that you ate, even if it wasn't you know, on par with what you were trying to accomplish. Try to bring a positive takeaway 
uh, from it and it'll help you take things a long way. But that, but mindset is so important for sustainable success in general, but especially for creating uh, sustainable fat loss. Now, the next component is when it comes to just looking at fat loss alone, we talked about obviously readiness for change and all these things. Um, when it comes to the physical component of making the, the physical change, the, the nutrition is going to be the most important part of this. We're talking nutrition. And no matter how you want to stack this, you know, what part of nutrition you want to dive into, food quality and things like that, and sugar and all these things, the most important aspect here, right? And when we're talking about dealing with a uh, healthy individual, the most important aspect here is going to be your energy balance when it comes to creating sustainable fat loss. So, Energy balance, meaning we have to be in that calorie deficit, right? So energy balance is going to tell us how many calories you have coming in, right? You're either in a deficit, which means you are taking in fewer calories than you're burning. You're at maintenance, meaning you're kind of even. You're burning 2,000, taking in 2,000. Nothing's really happening. Your body's pretty much staying the same. Or you are in a surplus where you are taking in more calories than you're burning. That's typically what leads to weight gain. And a deficit we spoke about earlier was what leads to fat loss. So that is pretty much the three different levels of energy balance. Now, when we're talking fat loss, we need to be in that caloric deficit for that to happen. So that's going to be the most important part. Now, there are different ways to get yourself into a calorie deficit. Um, now, here's the thing. Tracking your food and tracking your calories is very, very effective. Do you necessarily have to track calories to get into a calorie deficit? Absolutely not. There are plenty of people who don't track their calories. Um, they find different ways to get into the deficit. Um, literally, small changes like cutting back on the amount of processed foods that you eat and replacing them with real whole foods can make a big difference, right? Eating more nutrient-dense foods and less calorie dense foods will make a big difference. Typically, uh, I know for myself, when I reduce the the amount of processed foods and replace them with real good quality uh, foods, my calorie intake comes down just naturally, right? Uh, naturally, all things being being equal, uh, replacing super calorie dense foods with nutrient dense foods, that's typically what, what happens in most cases. So that's just one way. And there are other methods and there are different types of <laughs> diets that people try. Um, again, I, I'm not a, I, me personally, I'm not a fan of labeling uh, a way of eating and, oh, I eat, I, I do this or I do that. I believe in building out a sustainable lifestyle. I don't believe in restrictive things where you absolutely cannot eat certain things. Again, barring like an allergy or food sensitivity, then that, yeah, obviously, you shouldn't be eating that particular food if you have an allergy or it's going to uh, cause some type of health or, or medical issue. Um, but outside of that, you know, I believe in balance, right? When it comes to that, so obviously we talked about the the energy balance that that ca that ca calorie deficit we need to be in. Um, but with that balance, I believe in that eighty twenty. You may have heard of eighty <clears> twenty. <throat> Excuse me, I gotta get some water over here. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, you may have heard of that 80-20, right? And 80-20 could be 80% of the time you are eating good quality, nutrient-dense foods, whole foods, real foods, real non-processed foods. 
uh, just paying closer attention to that. And then maybe 15, maybe 20% of the time you're eating uh, some of the foods that may be a little bit more processed, right? Maybe aren't necessarily the, the greatest foods or may not be the healthiest, but you have that balance in there. Um, and there's room for it. And you don't have to use up the entire 20%. I mean, it could be 90, 10. It's really going to be, you know, where you fall. Um, but just creating some sustainable balance in there will be great because when you eat this way, if you're, let's say 85% of what you're eating is nutrient dense, you know, uh, foods, you, you, you know, you're, you're getting adequate amount of protein in, you're getting a good amount of produce in your vegetables and, and fruit and, and things like that. Um, and you are eating you know, real carbohydrates, like things that were grown and, and things of that nature, right? Like non-processed things, 80 to 85% of the time, that other 15 to 20% of the time, there's room to, to enjoy the cookie, the, the Pop-Tart, you know, um, you know, the, the soda, you know, the, the things like that. I'm not a fan of soda personally, but there's room for this balance, right? Like there is balance in there and there's room for those things. So just keep that in mind. You do not have to uh, be 100% 100% all of the time as super restrictive. And that's not realistic for most people, right? Like literally certain diets that cut out an entire food group in a sense, or an entire uh, macronutrient, like that's, again, super restrictive. And the sustainability behind that is very, very low, um, right? So think of like 80, 20, 85, 15. And when it comes to uh, eating nutrient-dense foods versus some of the non-processed foods uh, versus eating, you know, some processed things, maybe some of the things that aren't the necessarily the greatest for us, but there's balance. Um, now, again, again though, the, the goal is still fat loss. So when it comes to fat loss, I try to stay at least like 90% of the time in that deficit. You know, you may not be there 100% of the time. Again, right, if you're factoring in that, um, that balance that we mix, we, we mentioned where you're eating some of those other foods. Uh, if you can, obviously, that's amazing. <laughs> It'll help you go a long way. Um, but at least like 90% of the time, you're in that calorie deficit and you're, you're really paying attention. It helps and it goes a long way and it makes uh, a, a major, major difference. Um, and also, here's the cool thing about when we, when we talk about like energy balance, right? If you are in a calorie deficit, you do not necessarily need to be in a deficit 52 weeks a year. I mean, I don't recommend that anyway, right? So you can kind of literally do it in, in you could kind of, I guess, periodize it if you want to use that term here. Um, in a sense where let's say you're in a def calorie deficit for eight weeks, right? For in your fat loss goal, it could be six to eight weeks in that caloric deficit. I like, I like the concept and the idea of maybe for a week or two, after you complete that six to eight weeks in the deficit, coming out of the deficit and going into maintenance, right? Going into maintenance, it gives you uh, more room, gives you more calories. You can eat more food. I love food. So this is always great for me. Number one, number two, you're not doing any harm towards your fat loss. If you're going into maintenance, you're just staying the same. You're not necessarily losing any body fat in that one to two week period that you came out and, and went into a, a maintenance period almost like a, a deload period would be during a training plan, going into a maintenance period. Uh, but it's helpful. I mean, number one, number two, like even mentally sometimes, right? Like, okay, knowing that you don't, you're not stuck in a certain caloric range all of the time, 
Um, and it could be good for you uh, just coming out of that deficit, that deficit as well, metabolically, right, as well, because you don't want to always be in a calorie deficit. All right. So definitely just consider that when it comes to looking at the energy balance. Um, you can go six, eight, 10 weeks in a deficit, come out for a week or two and go into maintenance. Kind of everything will stay the same as far as, you know, body composition, where you are. And then you can shift and work your way back into that deficit if you do so wish, if you feel like you need to, you know, if you're still chasing that goal, all right? But if you hit that body fat percentage goal, you can go right into maintenance and kind of stay there and and, and live your life there. That is the beauty of this. Um, and lastly, with the nutrition here, uh, well, not lastly, I do want to also mention hydration, which is super important. Um, just making sure you are getting enough water. Um, your body is made up of over 60% water. We need that for so many different functions um, in the body in general. So just make sure you're, you're getting enough water. Uh, typically, a good rule of thumb, I know they used to say 64 ounces a day, which was kind of just pulled out of thin air, it seems. Um, there was no data behind it, uh, no research that I've come across. And uh, I know a rule of thumb from some recommendations are typically about a ha half of your body weight in ounces as a starting point. Now, obviously based off of your activity levels, you know, where you are, you know, what you're doing, whether you're outside and you're sweating a lot, that could change, but that's a good place to start, right? Half your body weight in ounces. So if you weigh 150 pounds, 75 ounces of water um, is a good place to start. So definitely make sure you're getting your hydration in. Also make sure you are getting enough produce. You heard me mention produce earlier, just getting those uh, vitamins and min minerals in, uh, getting those nutrients in um, that you need. Also, and make sure we are prioritizing protein intake. Can't stress this enough. Protein intake is so vital and so important when it comes to building and maintaining that lean mass, the lean muscle tissue, right? And this is really important for fat loss because, and we'll talk about this in our strength training a little bit later, this is really important for fat loss because that is the direct driver of your metabolic rate, right? The, the amount of lean muscle, the amount of lean mass that you have in your body. Think of your your muscle mass as cylinders in a car, right? If you drive and you, and you fill up your, your gas tank, you'll, you'll, under, you'll understand this. A four-cylinder Honda, we'll say a four-cylinder Honda, will take and require less gas than an eight-cylinder truck, right? To drive the same distance, right? So the more cylinders that truck requires, the more fuel it needs to go the same distance to get that same task done. Same thing in our bodies. The more muscle mass that we have in our bodies, the more calories we need to sustain life, right? The higher our metabolism, excuse me, metabolism is. The true way to increase your metabolism is by increasing the amount of muscle, uh, that you have. It's not going to come from drinking a tea. There's there's no tea that you're going to drink that's going to speed up your metabolic rate, right? There's no magic pill. There's no magic food that's going to speed up your metabolic rate um, and, and lead you to significant fat loss. You're going to do that through building that and maintaining lean mass. That lean body mass is going to be so important. Getting adequate protein is going to be vital. Now, how much you need, there are some recommendations out there. How much you need can vary from person to person. Um, um, just a rule of thumb, general, generally given, a gram per pound of body weight is typically a good place to be. 
Uh, a gram per protein per pound of body weight uh, is the recommendation. That's typically given a lot of in, in a lot of cases, but I've seen it flex uh, to as low as 0.85 to 0.90 uh, per gram per pound of body weight. So you can kind of play with this yourself and see where you fall. Um, but if you're truly, truly interested in like exactly how much you need, I all often recommend seeing a registered dietitian that can really help you dive into your specific needs. And this is with everything from like uh, protein intake, all of your macronutrients, uh, and even paying attention to your energy balance as well, your calories coming in, how much you need there. And if you need to tr uh, measure how many calories you need, there are some formulas available as well that will factor in your, you know, your height, your, your, your weight, your age, <clears throat> excuse me, your gender, your activity levels, uh, and all these things are going to be really, really important. Um, and some goals even as far as to, you know, base it off of your your, your body fat uh, versus your lean mass as well, which is your lean muscle tissue, uh, which is very, very important as well. Um, so these are just some calculations and formulas that you can find online. You can plug it in. Now, also, if you want a true measurement of this, though, you can actually get a, a metabolic assessment and you can probably go to a wellness center. Um, a dietitian in your area may have this. Uh, even a local gym may have this as well. Um, most gyms don't, but some of the higher end gyms do have access. It's a device that you will actually breathe into and it'll give you uh, your resting or, or basal metabolic rate. And then they'll factor in your activity levels and give you an idea of how many calories you need uh, you know, to fit your goal. All right. But, but the nutrition is super, super important here. And we want to make sure that we are prioritizing that. That's the, that's the most important uh, component um, to this whole thing. The nutrition has to be like, you, you it, it's not going to work without it. I don't care how many hours you work out. I don't care um, how great of a training plan that you have. I don't care. It, it, it's the nutrition. So you, you got to prioritize that. And we, uh, I put the mindset first because your, your head's got to be in the right place before you can apply the nutrition, but the nutrition is going to be the key driver. Now, after the nutrition, the next uh, super important component here is going to be your activities. Now we get to the movement. Now we get to the exercise. We get to all of the physical activity. So the two most important components from an activity standpoint here are going to be strength training and what we like to call NEAT. Strength training and NEAT. NEAT stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Now you'll notice I did not mention cardio and cardio is fine and I'll get to that uh, in a few a few seconds here. But the two most important components can be strength training and NEAT. So let's start with the strength training. Now the strength training is going to be super important for all the reasons that I just mentioned when we were talking uh, about the nutrition component here. Right, building and maintaining that lean muscle tissue. Now we need to uh, consistently strength train for this to happen. We need to build it and we need to keep it. Right, so consistently strength training and not just any strength training. Uh, we need to strength train with what we like to call progressive overload. It needs to be challenging. It needs to be uh, challenging you over time. So it may start out challenging in the beginning, but after a while, if it starts to feel easy, it's time to progress. It's time to uh, move to the next level of what challenges you. Now, your strength training could look a bunch of different ways. You could be training with your own body weight. You could be using resistance bands. You could have access to dumbbells. It could be machines at the gym. Um, I mean, you could be doing sandbag training. You could be, there's so many different ways to strength train. Uh, 
Um, so understand that your body does not know the difference, right? It just knows that there is an external resistance on the outside that is keeping it, um, you know, challenged and keeping it pushed. And that is going to be uh, the important thing is that we are continuously and consistently strength training. Um, super, super important to it. Um, it's going to help us build and maintain that lean muscle tissue. I can't drive that home enough. Now, the next important component here is the NEAT. Your NEAT stands for your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And this is super important um, and more important than uh, the cardio component because the NEAT is really what makes up the rest of our days outside of our workouts, right? Outside of the gym, outside of, you know, wherever you're working out. So think about when you are mowing the lawn, think about when you're walking through the grocery store, think about when you're walking from the car to, you know, your work into work. Think about when you're walking up a flight of stairs. Think, of, think about when you're cleaning, doing laundry. Those are all non-exercise activity, um, all, excuse me, all non-exercise activities, right? But you, but your body needs to burn calories to complete those non-exercise activities, um, and you can throw just general walking in there as well. Yes, walking itself typically can be considered a form of exercise, uh, 100%, but also just paying attention to how many overall steps you're getting in a day is really, really valuable. Really, really valuable. Um, and yes, cardio is fine. Cardio is great, number one. The most important thing about cardio is it's great for your heart health. So I do encourage uh, to, to get uh, a couple of bouts of cardiovascular training in. Um, and there are different types and we'll get to that. But the NEAT is super important. And don't underestimate the power of walking. One of my clients, uh, her name is Mary. I'll say her name. She's been very successful um, in her, uh, her training and in her fitness journey. Um, and one thing in the very beginning when we first started, uh, we, would, we did strength training together together. Uh, two times a week. A couple of times we would do three, but it was typically twice a week. Um, she really, really dialed in on the nutrition. And when I tell you, she completely hammered home the 80-20 rule. Like she ate balanced. Everything worked really, really well. Um, it just worked out. She was in a calorie deficit, lost body fat, built some lean muscle tissue. But her big thing was her, her the steps that she got. She got anywhere from 10 to 12,000 steps on most days. There were days she got more, but she loved walking. She made sure that she was active and she does not have a career that forces her to walk, walk much. She sits behind a desk uh, most of the day, right? But she took charge of the walking component. One of the first things that she said to me is that I hate cardio machines. I hate ellipticals. I hate treadmills. I hate bikes. I said, all right, well, we do need some type of cardiovascular training for your heart health. We'll work that in and we'll figure that out. But you can walk. Walking will be very beneficial. And when I tell you she took I took this to heart and saw so much success, lost over 20 pounds of body fat, um, got visible abdominals. You know, that was part of her goal. That was her individual goal. And she crushed it simply by applying the principles that we're listing here today. And one of the big things was the walking, the, the and that was really considered 
uh, a form of the, that non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And I'm, I'm just referring to being outside of our scheduled strength training sessions, right? So she would go for walks, but she was also active throughout the day. She would do extra things just to walk more, park a little bit further away, things like that. So I, I can't drive that home enough. Do not underestimate the power of walking. It is recommended to get about 10,000 steps a day. If you're getting, let's say if you work in an office setting or you're working from home, um, I know from working in corporate wellness, I do uh, get contracts and I work with companies for their employee fitness and wellness programs. The average employee gets anywhere from three to 4,000 steps a day. The average person who sits at a desk for six to eight hours. Um, so if you're working from home, it could be even less. So maybe it's a good place to start at five to 6,000 a day and work your way up each week, add 500 to a thousand steps and build up to it. If that's what you need to do. If you want to try to go 10,000 steps out the gate, more power to you. Walking is good for you. Walking is amazing. Um, I'm reading things where they're saying sitting is sitting and, and, and being sedentary is becoming the new smoking. It's really being detrimental. So get out there and move, be active and walk. So don't underestimate the power of walking and your sustainable fat loss. The best thing about walking is it's low impact. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about really killing your joints, jumping and running and, and things of that nature. So I, I definitely recommend uh, that. So strength training and meat, the two most important components. Then when we move to cardio, um, so again, we talked about cardio being good for your heart health. And there are two different types of cardio that you can do. So you can do your steady state cardio, which is more aerobic. That means that we are using oxygen for energy to, to get us through that workout. Um, and then you have what's called anaerobic, where we're not using energy, right? So we're using our glycogen stores. Um, we're using, uh, you know, adenosine triphosphate at sometimes when like with the really, really intense, you know, activities as well. Um, so the two different types. So when we talk about aerobic cardio, the, the, the longer term, slower steady state. So whether you're going for uh, a slow jog, a, a power walk, Something that you can do for a long period of time, right? Uh, biking, typically going to be more aerobic. That oxygen is constantly coming in. You can sustain it. You can typically talk through that activity uh, without much of an issue. Then we get to the anaerobic, which is more of like the interval training, right? And you get to the interval training. You hear about HIT, which stands for high intensity interval training. Typically, we're going into a different energy system, that anaerobic energy system that I mentioned. This just means that we're our heart rate is at operating at about 80% of our maximal heart rate or higher. That's really like that threshold of where we get into that anaerobic energy system. So now the, the, the steady state cardio, the longer term cardio, uh, whether it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, perfectly fine to do. Um, Again, number one, priority should be for heart health. Number two, you can also use this as a way to help burn a few more calories. That's perfectly fine. But understand it's not going to be as effective as the strength training because the strength training is going to create that calorie burn when you're not working out because you've built that lean muscle. Um, also, resistance training has a great greater what's called EPOC, which I'll get into in a few seconds, um, which is like more of an afterburn. Um but, uh, but cardio can be fine for getting a few additional calories in that steady state cardio. Now, we talk about HIT and interval training. Um, there is a phenomenon called EPOC, and EPOC stands for excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. So understand, if you're truly doing high-intensity interval training, these bouts last a lot shorter, maybe up to 20 minutes um, on and off. 
You know, it could be, you see 12 minutes, you see 15 minutes, 20 minutes, eight minutes, things of that nature. But in that 12 to 20 minute range, uh, you can really start to see a, a really good level of epoch that uh, excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. It just means our body uh, is trying to regulate itself um, and bring it, come back down to its normal levels. And when this is happening, our body's burning additional calories after the activity. Now, um, you know, you can look at the research and the, and the studies and, and you'll find things that you know, uh, will, will tell you that uh, doing HIT is, is superior to doing uh, aerobic cardio uh, in a form of, in a sense of calorie burn. And, and the reality is it, it, it can be comparable, but the HIT will take you a shorter duration of time. And that makes it more, uh, more attractive. For most people, number one, it makes it super beneficial, save you some time. So instead of having to do 60 minutes of steady state um, cardio, you can go 20 minutes of interval training, get yourself into um, that anaerobic threshold and put your body into an epoch. And again, how much epoch takes place is going to vary from the intensity of the activity, the, that, person itself, that person as well. Um, but you don't have to do 60 minutes of cardio in order to see that benefit. Um, so that's why interval training can be very beneficial. But I do want to add this one little piece to it. If you're going to be doing high intensity interval training, the first thing you need to do is build an aerobic base, number one. So high intensity interval training would be like sprints, right? So your effort would be pretty high. It doesn't have to necessarily be max effort, but going 90%, 85, 90% effort um, it's pretty much going to put you in that zone most likely. Um, and you need to build up to that. You need an aerobic capacity. So you have to start out in that steady state, uh, cardiovascular zone. Um, definitely working your way up. It's going to increase what's called your VO2 max, your maximal oxygen uptake, oxygen that you can, that you can take in at, at a time. Um, and then you can start to build towards that anaerobic or, or higher intensity, uh, interval training. Okay. So that will be a great change. And as we're discussing interval training, I do want to uh, leave you guys with a quick example of what interval training actually is. Um, you think of intervals, think of the units of time, the work to rest ratio or exercise to recovery ratio, right? So we, let's say we're going to do um, eight rounds, right? So your round would include the work period and the rest period. And that would equal one round. So if we're going to go just a quick example, 30 seconds of work followed by 60 seconds of rest eight times through um, that those are intervals, right? You have an interval of 30 seconds on 60 seconds off. That's working. That's recovering going through eight times. It could be different. It could be 60 seconds on. It could be 60 seconds off. It could be, you know, uh, 20 seconds on 40 seconds off. It's really going to depend on a few things. Um, a big factor in this, in this is going to be the intensity of the activity. Also the duration uh, or how, you know, how long you're going to be doing it for. Right? So if you're doing four rounds of an activity versus eight rounds, uh, those numbers may look completely different just because of the duration. So just keep that in mind. Um, and also remember, all intervals are not created equal. What makes an interval a high intensity interval is going to be which energy system that you are working from, right? Remember, we spoke about the anaerobic threshold, getting your heart rate to 80% of your max heart rate. Um, now, if you don't have a heart rate monitor, you don't know how to measure this, 
Uh, one way to do it is a simple way is called the talk test. Um, again, it's not like super precise as say a heart rate monitor would be. It's not as precise as a heart rate monitor would be, but it's going to give you uh, a pretty good idea of where you are, right? So if you can comfortably talk through uh, during that exercise or activity, you're most likely working from your aerobic energy system. There's oxygen uh, available and coming in, um, you know, throughout that activity versus if you're, you know, doing, uh, let's say you're on, a, on an air bike doing bike sprints and, you know, as you're riding through this, you'll notice it's going to be tough for you to talk during this activity because you're not getting that oxygen coming in at that time. All right. So just keep that in mind. All intervals are not created equal. Um, there's high intensity interval training and there's regular interval training. Um, so just make sure you are doing the correct one that you need to be doing. But also, as I stated before, make sure you have built an aerobic base beforehand. So uh, once you have that aerobic capacity, you can move towards the higher intensity interval training. Um, but just keep those things in mind. So the hierarchy here, when it comes to the activities, and I'll just recap it really quickly. We have our strength training, which I mentioned. Um, we have the NEAT, the non-exercise activity thermogenesis, right? All those uh, calories that we burn outside of the workout um, throughout the rest of the day, right? 168 hours in an entire week, right? And if you're working out four hours out of that week, you, you want to make sure that you're maximizing that uh, calorie burn and all those other hours, right? So making sure that we're prioritizing that NEAT. And then we, get, we come to the cardio. Um, again, once you've built that aerobic base that, that I spoke about, interval training can be very beneficial because it can be a shorter bout. It can be a little bit less boring. You can kind of really get into more uh, different activities. You don't necessarily need a piece of a cardio equipment. You can use some battle ropes and um, I mean, you can use your body weight, um, obviously uh, jump rope intervals. There are a lot of beneficial ways to do this, um, but just just considering those things. Um, and also the, the steady state aerobic cardio is perfectly fine to do as well. It's just going to be about finding what's right for you in this process. All right, next up, I do want to recover a, a super important component here is going to be our recovery. What your recovery looks like. Recovery is going to be really, really huge here. The most important component of your recovery is going to be your sleep. You need to be sleeping. Um, Fitness goal or not, we should all be getting enough sleep. Seven to nine hours a night is what's been recommended. Uh, recommended, but sleep, 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 um, and getting good quality sleep. Right, trying to get into that REM sleep, uh, trying to get uninterrupted sleep as much as possible. And sleep ties in for a few reasons, and a really, really big one here uh, being with hormone regulation. And think about uh, how our hunger hormones. Uh, operate. We have two primary hunger hormones. We have one called ghrelin and one called leptin. Ghrelin signals hunger, tells your body that you need to eat. Leptin signals satiation. It tells your body that you have had enough food. If you're not getting enough sleep, there has been evidence in research that has shown that um, typically your ghrelin, your hunger hormone, can be increased, and that's that leptin, the satiation hormone, will be or could be suppressed. So you could be craving things when you're not actually hungry just because you're not sleeping enough. Um, and the research that I read um, and one of the studies they did, they've studied this several times, was that uh, the groups that they that they chose 
the groups that did not get enough sleep typically ate anywhere from 350 to I think it was about five or 600 more calories. I don't have the study in front of me. I apologize. But I do remember reading that with my own two eyes. And it was typically more of the, uh, they weren't, they weren't reaching for, for, for fruit, for grapes and, and, and fruit and salads and things like that. Uh, it was more of the, the starchy, uh, calorie dense foods and, and, and highly processed foods that people were typically reaching for, um, in the study that I saw. So just to keep that in mind, super, super important, um, get enough sleep, um, for multiple reasons, but especially for regulating your hunger hormones. Um, next component of recovery is going to be rest days, prioritizing rest days. That is a super important part of the program. We talked about the importance of building and maintaining lean muscle. Your muscles cannot grow if you're not resting. Your muscles are broken down in, in the gym and or wherever you're working out, and they actually repaired and they grow back stronger in recovery. Muscles broken down in the training, repaired in the recovery. That is when we actually really start to build towards that result, making sure we're, we're recovering. Um, so training hard six, seven days a week, although may it may sound great, right, from the outside, it's not really the most optimal thing. You got to make sure you, you're getting enough recovery. You got to make sure you're not overtraining. You got to make sure that your body is healing. Um, exercise is a stressor. So you can't put yourself in a constant sympathetic state where you're kind of everything is always on alert, everything's always on go. You have to get into that parasympathetic state. You got to get into that state where your body's primed for recovery, for healing, right? For 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 that growth, for that positive change. So just make sure that you are prioritizing rest days in your program. If you're trying to figure out, hey, when do I rest? Um, if you're training pretty intensely. After about three, from from me, after about three intense training days in a row, I like a recovery day. Just kind of just to lay it out there. And your recovery day um, can consist of walking is fine on a recovery day. Like, again, um, I wouldn't like go crazy and turn it into a run or anything like that. But walking is fine. Um, but taking care of your body, getting some soft tissue work in, whether you're going to go for a massage or uh, if you like the foam roller. Um, you know, it's perfectly fine to, you know, make sure you're getting your mobility in, um, stretching, things like that. Those are all going to be great for your recovery. So just prioritize those things as you're going through the process. Um, make sure you are uh, recovering. Um, it's going to be really, really important. Um, and just jumping back to sleep really quickly. I do want to mention this. Um, with trying to get enough sleep, um, Coming up with a bedtime routine can be really, really helpful to this process um, and a simple one. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but shutting off your electronics um, 30 to 60 minutes before bed could be amazing. So maybe if you journal like in an old school journal with a pen and a piece of paper, it might be a good time to journal um, where you don't have what they call the blue light, um, whether it's from your phone or your television, um, because the, the blue light tends to interrupt your sleep patterns. Uh, and it takes it longer for you to get to sleep and really get into that desired REM that we REM sleep we, that I just mentioned a little while ago. Um, so you're definitely going to want to make sure that you are uh, being mindful of how much of that blue light, whether it's on your phone, um, your computer, your tablet, your television that you're taking in right before bed. So if you're scrolling right before bed and then you're putting the phone down and trying to go to sleep, you're making it a little bit harder on yourself to actually get into that deeper and high quality sleep. It's going to take a little bit uh, longer in most cases. 
So definitely consider that. I know that they do make blue light blocker glasses and things like that that you can put on to help if you must scroll and get work done or watch TV before bed. Um, so you can look into those as well. But just definitely consider that uh, an, a nighttime routine. Um, and it's good to get away from the, the phones and technology um, from time to time as well. So that could be really, really helpful. All right. So moving right along, um, super important here, community. Surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Um, and this will be a quick point, but surround yourself with like-minded individuals, um, you know, just to help keep you going. Uh, you keep each other going. You hold each other up. You hold each other accountable. And accountability is super important, right? We talked about mindset earlier. And part of your mindset is having self-accountability. But also, uh, we're humans. We're social beings. Having external accountability is huge, really important, um, and can be very, very helpful especially on those days where you're not feeling the greatest, you don't feel like uh, following through on the thing that you committed to, um, just having somebody else there to, to push you can be really, really helpful as well. Um, and this accountability can come from a, a friend, uh, it could come from a coworker, it could come from a spouse, uh, a relationship partner, um, just whoever it is that's in your life, um, just having a, a positive support system can go a really, really long way. So try to surround yourself with community, try to find, uh, communities of people who do what you do. Maybe you are one of your favorite activities, um, is running or biking or hiking. You can find clubs for just about all of these things that you, that you enjoy. Um, and you can find social virtual groups online. They have Facebook groups. They have all different types of activity groups that you can find online. They have Meetup. I know there's an app called Meetup, things like that. So just definitely finding um, community and accountability partners just around uh, things related to, to your health and to your wellness will be uh, really, really helpful to you. Um, next up is going to be uh, consistency, okay? Being consistent is going to be really, really important. Um, and here's the thing about consistency. It's not about being perfect. And we talked about this earlier. It's about pushing forward while things aren't perfect, right? It's about continuing to drive forward. I, I love using this analogy. If you are driving somewhere to a specific destination and you get a flat tire, you change the tire and keep going. You don't flatten the other three, right? You're still consistent. You're still moving forward. Um, you just happen to hit a flat tire. That's consistency. Consistency is not being perfect. Consistency is moving forward in the absence of perfection. So just make sure that you are being consistent and you are sticking to what you committed yourself to do on a consistent basis. Like we have to be consistent. It starts with persistence. Yes. Like, uh, you know, being persistent, alone will help you achieve it, but being consistent will help you keep it. Okay, I'll say that again. Being persistent will help you achieve it, but being consistent will help you to keep it, right? And and this, 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 this rings true when we talked about earlier, the quick fixes. You can be persistent at something for 60 days or 30 days and, and achieve part of a result or get a desired result in that short period of time. Right. But if you're not consistent down the road, six months later, you won't have that same result. Things will typically regress back to where they were before because there was no consistency there. The consistency is what's going to allow you to keep what the persistence got you. OK, so keep the have the persistence, but also have the consistency along with it um, and just hold on strong and keep fighting. 
And lastly, um, I know this was a long one today. Lastly, I can't stress this enough, guys. Have fun. Have fun. Lean on things that you enjoy when it comes to your activities. Um, and that ties back into the activity component. Lean on things you like. If you like bike riding, if you like pickup basketball, I love playing pickup basketball. I actually played today. I love going to the, the gym and, and playing pickup basketball. Um, it's just it's so much fun. It's an outlet for me. I enjoy it. The camaraderie. I've been playing there with these guys for probably four years now, maybe five. Wow. It's been a while. Um, and it's so much fun. It's great. And in that process, I'm getting some great activity in, getting some great cardio in. Um, now I'm training for a specific event. So I do actually get some running in now because there's running in this event that I'm training for. But Prior to that, most of my cardiovascular training, believe it or not, came from pickup basketball. I was playing it so frequently, like pre-COVID. So, you know, pre-COVID, pre the shutdown last year. So understand, like, it is a great way to get some physical activity and doing something you enjoy. Yours may be tennis. Yours may be dancing. Um, it could be rock climbing. It could be hiking. Another thing that I love, I'm going on a hike tomorrow. So, just figure out what you enjoy and incorporate that uh, into it. It's going to help with that consistency that I mentioned. Um, and also, this actually ties into the nutrition. We mentioned, I mentioned 80-20, 85-15, right? That 15 to 20% of the time where you're having that balance in your nutrition. Eat the foods you like. It makes it sustainable. It makes it sustainable. Again, factoring in all the other things that we mentioned, right? checking your energy balance and things of that nature, but eating the things that you enjoy will help you to stick to it. You're not restricted. So have fun. Enjoy the process. You can have fun with the food, with recipes. You can try to make some new and interesting recipes. I love my air fryer. I know a lot of people have adopted uh, air fryer cooking um, in recent years. I love it. it. It's just changed my life in so many ways. It's made cooking really, really uh, a lot more achievable for me. I'll say that because I wasn't the greatest cook. I've gotten so much better. I shock myself sometimes, I'm going to be honest. Um, not to toot my own horn, but I love my air fryer and I, and I, and I have fun with it. I, I, I make all sorts of fun things in this air fryer. So just find some cool recipes. Um, you know, re look into people who, you know, maybe get some recipes from some of the people in that community we mentioned. Um, Pinterest has some cool recipes. Um, you can reach out to me. I can share some recipes with you, but have fun making some healthy and fun recipes. Enjoy the process, guys. Just have fun with the entire process. Don't make it super stressful. Make it sustainable. This is sustainable, uh, uh, creating sustainable fat loss, guys. We talked about mindset. We talked about nutrition. We talked about activities, recovery. We talked about community we talked about consistency and we talked about having fun. I had a great time. I had a lot of fun uh, recording this episode. I appreciate you taking the time out to listen again. I know it was a longer one, but thank you so, so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed uh, today's episode, or if you enjoy the podcast in general, please leave us a review. That is the absolute best compliment that you could give. Um, it also helps more people uh to find us as well. So when you leave those five-star reviews and you, and you write in those nice comments, and I appreciate the reviews that you guys have been leaving, 
uh, especially on Apple Podcasts. I really get to see those. Um, I Thank you so much. And also just pass and share the podcast with someone who may find value in it. Um, the goal is just to reach as many people as possible to try to make a positive change. Uh, so again, guys, this was about creating sustainable fat loss, but I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. You can connect with me on Instagram. It's Mr. Underscore JFit, uh, Mr. Underscore J-A-Y-F-I-T, same on Twitter. Um, you can email me, uh, Justin at JFit, Justin at J-A-Y-F-I-T, uh, studio, S-T-U-D-I-O.com. And you can also text me. I have the Pocket Fit Club as well. Um, I send out free fitness tips, information. I send out actually episodes of the podcast. I send out infographics. Uh, we do some giveaways. But you can text me at uh, at any point uh, if when you're ready. I do also Q and A from there as well. You can text your fitness questions there. But you can text me at five one six two one seven eight six five zero. That's five one six. Two one seven eight six five zero. But I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, until next time, have a strong day, a strong night, a strong week, and I will talk to you soon.